Turn in your Bible, if you will, please, to Judges chapter 7. And we take up again there in our messages. And we read from verse 9 through verse 15 only. Same reading as on last week. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, unto Gideon, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Furah, thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say. And afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then he went down with Furah, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. Their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto the tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay alone. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation, and if you have an old King James Bible with the marginal readings, the translators suggested that word literally means breaking. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the breaking thereof, that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Turn there in a moment. Please stand with me again and sing again number 623. (sighs) 
Whence do our mournful thoughts arise? And where's our courage fled? Has restless sin or raging hell struck all our comforts dead? Have we forgot the almighty name that formed the earth and sea? And can an all-creating arm grow weary or decay? Almighty strength and boundless grace in our Jehovah dwell. He gives the conquest to the weak and dooms their foes to hell. Mere mortal power shall fade and die, and youthful vigor cease. But we that wait upon the Lord shall feel our strength increase. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Arise and go down, part two, or as another title, I have read the text before you today and suggest the title, Going Down Before Going Down. (laughs) Going Down Before Going Down. We'd begun on last week to open to our hearts this portion of Gideon's history, verses 9 through 15 of chapter 7. And if you'll remember, we found our servant of the Most High, Gideon, again receiving a visitation from this angel. I have called him. I did not get it from any commentary. He called him Lord. The scripture called him angel. And I have called him the Lord, the angel. And we found him receiving yet another visitation from the Lord, the angel, whom he first met, you'll remember, in chapter 6. And verse 11, do not forget the context of that meeting. Gideon was in a wine press, hiding, hiding from his enemies, trying to do what he could to provide for his family. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in verse 12 and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Yet another visitation has come now in chapter 7. From that first meeting there in chapter 6 and verse 11, the Lord, the angel, has led this, his struggling servant, on and on to higher ground. 
I quoted the words of that hymn. I resisted best I could the urge to sing it. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. The Lord has led this servant to higher ground. From higher ground of faith to higher ground of faith to one measure of faith to the next measure of faith all the while preparing him for this specific command that falls on his ear in this nighttime visitation in verse 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down, get thee down unto the host. For I have delivered it into thine hand. We dealt on last week with that verse 9. And I hope encouraged our hearts with the thoughts of God's repeated promises. There is in the latter part of that verse, this promise comes again as it has come before and come before. I have given it to you. And as I say, I hope we encouraged our hearts with the contemplation of God's repeating of his promises. We watched Gideon coming now to the very threshold of the battle, the supreme battle, the supreme test of his now matured faith. But then when we left off in that last message, I closed our thoughts there with this solemn, serious, and shocking reality. The multitude lay at the bottom of the mountain at his feet, and there is this reality, Gideon is still struggling. The night has come, the hour he has anticipated, the hour for which God has repeatedly helped him and visited him, the hour has finally come. And he's still struggling. Say, how do I know that? The text doesn't say, oh, but it does say. Came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and get up. And then in verse 10 he said, But if thou fear to go down, go thou with four of thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear. If thou fear to go down, then go down and I'll help you again. And without a word, Gideon goes. <laughs> oh yes, he's still struggling. He's still struggling. Right on the cusp of the great event, he's still struggling. How very wisely did Samuel Rutherford say in reading the book that Luke has produced the writings of Samuel Rutherford, how aptly did this one statement 
fit the context of our hero here. Rutherford said, until God opened the door and shine bright with new light, we never do certainly believe that Christ shall win the battle. <laughs> Our hearts just continue to disbelieve and we continue to struggle until God open a door and give us great light. And thus it is that Gideon on this night stands in need of that for God to open a door and give him more light. Can we not just pause here in our text and feast our souls among the lilies that our God has planted for us in this record? Could we not heed the admonition of the canticles and say to our hearts, let us, in chapter 7 and verse 12, let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grapes appear and the pomegranates bud forth because it's there that he will give us his love. Hallelujah. Let us get up early this morning and get down to the vineyards. And see whether or not the tender grapes appear and the pomegranates are budding forth. That's our desire this Sabbath morn. All oh, the precious, incomprehensible, unfathomable, gracious condescension of our sovereign Lord. He whose eyes see in the dark. Psalm 11 verse 4. He whose eyes look on the righteous day and night. Psalm 34 verse 15. He who looketh on the heart and searcheth not as a man seeth. 1 Samuel 16 7. This God sees what Israel cannot see and Israel does not need to see. Gideon is still struggling. And not with just anything, but with an old thing. Fear. Verse 10, but if thou fear. Could I just say that again? Gideon is still struggling. And not with just anything, but with an old thing. Fear. Oh, how blessed at this point are the words of Matthew Henry when he said, God knows the infirmities of his people and what great encouragement they may sometimes take from a small matter. And therefore, knowing beforehand what would occur to Gideon in that very part of the camp to which he would go down, he orders him to go down and hearken 
to what they said that he might the more firmly believe what God has said. He must take with him Phura, his servant, one that he could confide in, probably one of the ten that had helped him to break down the altar of Balaam. He must take him and no one else with him. Must take him with him to be a witness of what he should hear the Midianites say. That out of the mouth of these two witnesses, when the matter came to be reported to Israel, the word might be established. He must take his servant with him. Because two are better than one. Because a little help is better than none. Being so, he orders him the sight of something that was discouraging. I'll say more about that later. It was enough to frighten him to discern, perhaps by moonlight, the vast numbers of the enemy. Verse 12. The men like grasshoppers for multitude. They proved no better than grasshoppers for strength and courage. The camels one could not count any more than the sands of the sea, but he causes him to hear that which was to him a very good omen. And when he had heard it, he went back again immediately, supposing he now had what he was sent thither for. Said Matthew Henry, God knows the infirmities of his people. Oh, the blessed condescension of this divine angel. He knew exactly what Gideon needed and had already made provision for it. Oh, Gideon, 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 my dear brother, what must you learn tonight? I would move the question to us. Saints here, what must you learn today? Well, let me just suggest some things from this text. Number one, Gideon, you must lay hold of this. God, the great God of glory, may be moved even without words by the stirrings of a righteous heart in distress. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, the great God of glory, may be moved even without words by the stirring of a righteous heart. In distress, Gideon didn't say anything. God came and said, Tonight, Gideon, I want you to go down and take them. Gideon didn't say anything. But God knew. Oh, God knew. God knew. God, I said, can be moved. God can be moved without words by the stirrings of a righteous heart that's in distress. (laughs) Oh, yes, you remember Daniel chapter 10, I hope. You remember, Daniel, you remember that the vision was sent to Daniel in chapter 10 
verse 11 and 12, the vision says this vision, Daniel, I heard thee. Verse 12, then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before the Lord thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. <laughs> oh, the Lord said, Daniel, from the first day, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, I knew your words, and I've sent a vision. Oh, dear Gideon, dear saint, God heard the beating of your pulse from the first day yonder under the old oak tree. <laughs> God had been listening to his heart from the first day. <laughs> again, again, look with me at that. You don't have to turn. But that chapter in Daniel at chapter 9, in Daniel chapter 9, look at the beginning. What Gabriel says to Daniel in chapter 9, and verse, begin at verse 20. And whilst I was speaking, whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God from the holy mountain of my God, my God for, for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man that Gabriel, whom I have seen in the vision at the beginning, being because to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me, and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I've come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and I've come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. God sent him out. Sent him out. Sent him out. He said the very first word, that escaped your lips from the very beginning, I knew. I've sent, I've been sent to help you. Oh, I could go on and on. I could share with you. First Samuel chapter one, you remember that blessed. Oh, what a blessed, what a blessed thing that is. What a beautiful scene that is. First Samuel chapter one and verse 10. Dear Anna, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, I wilt will indeed look on the affliction if thou wilt look on the affliction of thine handmaid. Remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but give unto me a hand unto thine handmaid a man child, and I'll give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. There shall no razor come upon his head. It came to pass. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart. She spake in her heart. Only her lips moved. But God was looking on her heart. 
Oh, blessed be our God. Before, before Gideon can even speak, God has already anticipated his need and provided relief. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if that does anything to help you this morning, but it does me. He's still struggling. He's still struggling. Nobody else may not see it, but God sees it. Without a word, without a prayer, without an utterance, He's already made provision for him. Hallelujah. Oh, James Montgomery, somewhere around 1850, wrote these words, Prayer is the soul's sincere desire. Uttered or unexpressed, the motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Prayer is the burden of a sigh, the falling of the tear, the upward glance of the eye when none but God is near. Not a word, not a word did Gideon say, but God heard him. God was looking at his heart. Oh, Gideon, are you still afraid? Are you still struggling? Well, look, I've, I've made provision for you. Oh, says our Lord to his feeble, foolish disciple, Peter, before he even thought about falling, before he even thought about falling, the Lord said, I prayed for you, Peter. I prayed for you. That your faith fail not. He didn't even know his faith could be tested. He certainly didn't know at that point he was going to betray his Lord, but he did. But the Lord did. And he prayed for him. He's already made provision for him. Hallelujah. We learn that lesson. Gideon, you need to learn. You need to learn that God hears and makes provision for relief for his struggling saints even when they haven't said anything. But wait, there's another good word for our hearts here as well. Secondly, Gideon, what do you need to learn tonight, brother? Here's something that will help you, Gideon. It's not only the saint's heart that's open to his inspection. It's the heart of every unbelieving enemy as well. <laughs> Amen. Hey, it's not just the saint's heart that's open to him. It's the heart of every one of his unbelieving enemies that's open to the inspection of our God. Look at verse 11. Thou shalt hear what they say. And afterward thy hand shall be strengthened to go down. To the host. Look at verse 13. When Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream 
unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto the tent and smote and it fell and overturned and the tent lay alone. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for he into his hands hath God delivered Midian and all of the host. God knows the goings on in the camps of his enemies. Hallelujah. God knows the goings on in the camp of his enemies. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. None should think themselves capable to devise a scheme that catches our ever watchful father off his guard. <laughs> Did you hear me? I said none should ever think themselves capable to devise a scheme that catches our ever watchful father off his guard. Oh, how very fatal was this truth to one man named Haman in the book of Esther. Oh yeah, in fact, this book of Esther is the classic text for the realization of this doctrine. Our God knows the thoughts of his enemies. God's evil enemy in that book and Israel's enemy was plotting to do harm to God's elect, but God knew it. Oh, let no sinner today delude himself with the foolish dream that our God doesn't know. His prescience even extends to their dreams and conversations. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. If a sinner dreams a dream, God sees it. He may have sent it. He may have sent it. In this text that I just read to you this morning, this was no doubt a conversation between two guards. Two guards in the outer perimeter of the main camp. Two comrades in arms probably at the changing of the guard. Nothing could be more natural than that they exchanged this curious conversation between themselves. We do that, don't we? I'm sure Emmerich has experienced that in the dormitory. Boys get up in the morning and one of them's had a dream and says, Hey, let <laughs> I had the craziest dream last night. Listen to this. Here's these two guards. And the, the translation there about the five, it's the literal translation there. It's in a grouping of five. These are no doubt perimeter guards around the main camp. They're coming together for whatever reason. And Maybe changing of the guard, as so many commentators suggested, and 
the one that's coming on speaks to the one that's there and says, you know, I had a dream. It's just a conversation between two soldiers, two comrades in arms, and they're just talking. I had a dream before I came over tonight, and I dreamed that there was a loaf of cake of barley bread tumbled into the midst of the Midianites and struck the tent, knocked it down flat. And the other one said, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> That's about Gideon. That, that's about that Israelite named Gideon. The Lord has given him our people. And they have this conversation. Nothing could be more natural. But our God already knew about it. And he knew they were going to discuss it. And he sent his servant down there quietly, silently, to listen. He heard the conversation. <laughs> oh, but Paul's just here with me and learned with me another lesson a lesson in the sovereignty of our God. Not only does our God give this dream to a Midianite. Now think about this. God could have given this dream to one of Gideon's men. He could have had one of Gideon's men come to him that night and say, Sir, I've had a dream tonight. And some other Israelites say, yes, and I know what it means. But it didn't happen to another Israelite. It happened to Midianite. And God not only gave the dream to a Midianite, but he gave the wisdom of its interpretation to another idol-worshiping pagan. Oh, the sovereignty of our God. How clear is this Bible on the sovereign rule of our God. Surely, Proverbs 21 and verse 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Every way of a man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord ponders the heart. God sovereignly set this dream and sent a pagan to rightly interpret it. <laughs> oh, listen. This is a doctrine. This sovereignty of our God. This is not just some pet theological project. This is a doctrine that will fortify the believer's heart. This is a truth that will bolster your faith and hold your head above the waters of despair and fear. This is the balm that soothes the stormy sea of shock and discouragement. This is the reality that will steal your nerve when all earthly props are broken down and nothing remains but God. This truth will mortify your heart. 
Oh, said John Ryland in the 1820s, and surely Gideon, surely Gideon must learn it here tonight. Says John Ryland in the 1820s, sovereign ruler of the skies, ever gracious, ever wise, all my times are in thy hand, all events at thy command, his decree who formed the earth, he shall guide me. He, uh, sorry, his decree formed the earth, fixed my first and second birth. Parents, native place and time all appointed were by him. He that formed me in the womb, he shall guide me to the tomb. All my time shall ever be ordered by his wise decrees. Times the tempter's power to prove, times to taste the Savior's love. All must come at last and then I shall please. My heavenly friend, plagues and death around me fly till he bids I cannot die. Not a single shaft can hit till the God of love sees fit. I'm telling you, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. Get in, you better learn this. Get down there. Get down there and listen to them. I've arranged all this. I've taken care of it. Go on, get in. Go on now. Go on down there and listen to those pagans testify. Hallelujah. And draw strength from it. Can you imagine that? Gideon's listening to pagans testify. No wonder the Lord tells him. No wonder he tells him in verse 11. I'm going to do this last thing for you, Gideon. And then listen to what's going to happen. Verse 11. After that, thine hands will be strengthened to go down. <laughs> oh yeah, you're going to be strengthened now to go down. Oh dear saint, I would ask you today, can your hands be strengthened by this knowledge? Can your hands be strengthened by this knowledge. But now what specifically. Was it in this conversation. That fortified his heart. What specifically was it. That fortified his heart. Sovereignly arranged. It wasn't the dream alone. It was the interpretation of it. <laughs> Listen. Can I just give you some of the detail here. Notice the dream said that a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of the Midians. Now barley, no doubt, is a reference to Gideon himself. Where did we meet Gideon? Oh, he was down there in the wine press making flour for barley bread. It was the lowly bread. It wasn't the top brand. It wasn't the best. It wasn't, it wasn't for the elite. It wasn't for the king. This was poor people's bread. This is the lowly things. And when we first met Gideon, he was threshing. Flour, wheat, low, rough bread. Barley bread. Gideon heard him say. And notice what it happened to it. Why is this encouraging? It says it tumbled 
in the dream, he said this loaf of bread tumbled into the host of Midian. Now, let me ask you, just think about that for a moment. What could be more harmless than a loaf of bread rolling into a camp? <laughs> Can you just envision a camp and all these soldiers and all these camels and all these weapons of warfare? And here comes this loaf of bread rolls into the camp. What could be more harmless? And yet, and yet in the dream, the results were devastating. It rolled into the camp and it smote the tent and it fell over so that it was laying down flat along the ground. <laughs> the word fell. Notice the words in the text, fell, overturned, lay flat. <laughs> Whoa, how could such a simple thing, how could such a simple little loaf of bread be so effective? I'll give you the answer, God had sent it. God had sent it. <laughs> what is a cake of bread to compare with a tent well fashioned? Oh, God had sent it. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to know things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence, hallelujah. Loaf of barley bread rolled into the camp, tore down the main tent. And his comrade said, That's nothing less than Gideon. That's Gideon. You believe sovereign God can give light to a sinner? Gave light to that one. He got this right. Oh, my dear beloved, poor Gideon, what must he learn? Three lessons I've given you today, but I must stop. On next week, we'll take up again what Gideon must learn tonight. Turn with me in your hymn book, if you will. Stand with me and sing with me, number 136.
Standing, please. Lord, thou hast searched and seen me through thine eye covers with piercing view, my rising and my resting arms, my heart and flesh with all their powers, my thoughts before they are my own. Are to my God distinctly known. He knows the words I mean to speak. Air from my opening lips they break. Within thy circling power I stand. On every side I find thy hand. Awake asleep at home abroad. I am surrounded still with God. Amazing knowledge, vast and great. What large extent, what lofty height. My soul with all the powers I boast is in the boundless prospect lost. Oh, may these thoughts possess my heart. Where'er I roam, where'er I rest, nor let my weaker passions dare consent to sin, or God is there. <laughs>